We pray that any who don't yet know Jesus as their saviour will be moved to come to him, to call upon his name. And Lord, those of us who do know Christ, we pray that you'll encourage us to continue in our relationship with you. Please, Lord, help me to speak clearly and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Please help every one of us to pay attention to what we are learning. And please speak to us all, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now that passage that I read to us tells us about the descendants of Cain. Some of you may have heard of Cain. He was the person who carried out the first murder in the history of the world. He murdered his brother Abel. And Cain went on to have various children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. And one of his descendants was a man called Lamech. And Lamech was a very, very horrible man. You wouldn't have wanted to cross Lamech if you met him in the street. You'd have been frightened of Lamech because Lamech was a murderer. And whereas his great-great-grandfather, when he murdered his brother Abel, he was very ashamed of himself and he tried to pretend he hadn't done it, Lamech was proud of the fact that he was a murderer. And he, he invented this little song, which he sang to his wives, which is there in verse 23, if you've got your Bible open. Adder and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. He boasted about how you know, even if somebody just hits him or hurts him a bit, he'll kill them. And that's, that's how bad things were starting to get in the history of the world. Just a few hundred years before, Adam and Eve had been perfect in the garden, in paradise. Now you've got a man boasting about how he murders people. But then there's an interesting thing that says, it says about how Adam knew his wife again, he had close relationship with his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. And then Seth had a son and his name was called Enosh. And then it says, verse 26, at that time people began to call on the name of the Lord. So just as things were getting really, really bad and people were going a long way from God and murdering each other, doing horrible things, some people in this very ancient world started to call on the name of the Lord. And they started to know God as their saviour. They started to become friends with God. And they started being saved from their sins. They started being forgiven. Their lives started being changed. And so started the wonderful period of people being saved. And that 
went on right the way through the Old Testament period. We read earlier in our service from Psalm 116. Some of you might, might have been here when we did that. And we read about a man who was in deep trouble. The cords of Sheol compassed him about. And he thought he was going to die. Not just die physically, but die spiritually. He thought he was going to go to hell. And then what did he say? He said, I, will, I called upon the name of the Lord. See, he did what these ancient people did. He called on the name of the Lord. And God heard him. He, he says um, to God, you delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. God saved him. Because he called on the name of the Lord. Now then you come to the New Testament. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. In chapter 1 and verse 2. He writes to the church of God that is in Corinth. To those sanctified. That means made holy in God's sight. In Christ Jesus. Called to be saints. That means called to be those who are holy in God's sight, together with all those who in every place well, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their lords and ours. So you see, so right back at the beginning of the, New Testament, of the Old Testament, through the Old Testament, and then when it comes to the New Testament age, what are people doing? Calling on the name of the Lord. The only thing that's different is that now, it says they're calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whereas back in the Old Testament times, they were calling on the name of Jehovah or Yahweh, which is how our Bible and our Bible calls that Lord in block capitals. And this tells us that in fact, Jesus is Jehovah. It's the same Lord they were calling on all that time. They were calling upon Jesus. They didn't know much about him, but they were trusting in Jesus and asking Jesus to save them, to rescue them. So here is this thing, and that's how people right back in the days were saved. That's how people in the middle of the Old Testament were saved. That's how Christians in the New Testament age are saved. We are saved by calling on the name of of the Lord. So what I want this morning is to give you some teaching about first of all why it is very very important that each one of us calls on the name of the Lord. Then I want to explain what you need to do in order to call upon the name of the Lord. And then I want to tell you about a promise that God gives to all those who do call upon the name of the Lord. So first of all then, uh, why we must call upon the name of the Lord. And the answer is, the reason why we must call upon the name of the Lord is because every one of us in our natural state has got a very, very big problem. Now, let me 
ask you. I'm not going to ask you to answer this question out loud. But you think in your own mind, what is your biggest problem? Children, think about that. What is your biggest problem? You might say, my brother is my biggest problem, or my parents are my biggest problem. I find it very difficult getting on with it. Or maybe you might, you might say, there's somebody at school who's really horrible to me and is bullying me, and it, it makes me very, very unhappy going to school. What about grown-ups? What about, what's your biggest problem? Oh, you say, I've just been to the doctor and the doctor's told me I've got, there's a lump which, which is malignant and I'm very, very worried. Or you might say, well, I'm going through a, a, a breakdown in, in my relationships with, with my relationship with, with, with my, my spouse and it's, it's cutting me up. Or you might say, no, my biggest problem is that, is that I'm really hard up. I, I can't find two pennies to rub together. Everybody's got their problems, haven't they? I'd be very surprised if anybody came up to me after this service and said, you know what, Henry, when you talk about it, I, I don't have any problems. <laughs> I'd be very, very surprised. We've all got problems, haven't we? Some of them very, very deep problems. Some of, us, some of them problems that are so severe, we hardly talk to anybody. We, we feel very, very upset about them and perhaps even ashamed about them. And we've we got, all got problems. But... There is a problem that we've all got which is much, much, much bigger than any of those problems that I've just mentioned or any other problem that you might mention in your life. And that's not to diminish how really difficult some of those problems are that we've just talked about or mentioned. The problem we've got in our natural state is that we are separated from God. That's our big, big problem. That's the problem that came in when Adam first sinned. And that's the problem that's been in this world ever since Adam sinned. Because what happened when Adam sinned was that Adam said, I don't want God to be my king. Effectively, when he ate of that fruit... It was more than just eating a piece of fruit. By eating that fruit, he's basically saying, I'm going to live my life how I want to live my life, and I don't care what God says. And that's what men and women, and boys and girls, right down to very young ages, have been doing ever since. We've all been saying, I want to do my life my way, and not God's way. And that is what the Bible calls sin. Some of you might have heard of the two great commandments. First great commandment. I'm sure many of you children will know this first great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the summary of our duty to God. But we don't do so, do we? A lot of the time we hardly even think about God. A lot of the time we, 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 get, we give our love to objects that have been made. 
or to sports personalities, or football teams, or, or toys, or grown-up toys, computers, phones. We love things. We love objects rather than God. And the other great commandment, I'm sure many of you will know this one as well. Remember, second great commandment that summarizes all the other commandments. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do to your neighbor what you'd want your neighbor to do to you. But do you do that? Do I do that? We don't, do we? We scrap, we quarrel, we fight, we call people names. We're disobedient children, disobedient to parents. Parents being snapping horrible to children. We're all being horrible. We're, we're, we're not loving as we should love, are we? Greedy, proud, boastful, arrogant. I mean, the list goes on and on, isn't it? All the nasty things that we do. And that's why we've got a problem. Because God takes sin very seriously. Some of you children, your parents, if you're naughty, will, will, will tell you off. Maybe they might, might uh, smack you or they might, might give you some sort of sanction or something to show you how serious that, that wrongdoing is. But that's a picture of God. But God says that our wrongdoing against him is so serious that it has to be punished. And it has to be punished in hell. And there's a day coming when Jesus is going to come back and everybody who's ever lived is going to be gathered before him and those who have not been saved from their sins Jesus will say, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So there's the first thing. We've got a very, very, very big problem. But, thanks be to God, in his great love and kindness, he's provided an answer. As many of you will know, he sent his son the Lord Jesus Christ into this world and Jesus died on the cross in the place of sinners and he was punished for the wrong that other people have done and that means that people men and women boys and girls can all be saved from the punishment they deserve and can have eternal life and be friends with God. And instead of going to hell, can look forward to a place in the new world that God's going to bring into being, the recreated earth. And a life that's free from all suffering. But what Jesus did by dying on the cross doesn't go to people automatically. It's not that, that okay, Jesus died on the cross... He was raised from the dead, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and then everybody automatically is saved. No. 
for it to happen to you, for it to apply to you, you must do what we're talking about today. You must call on the name of the Lord. So that's why we must call on the name of the Lord. That's why it's so important to call on the name of the Lord. Because it's only through calling on the name of the Lord that you can be saved from going to hell. So that's the first thing we thought then about why we need to call, why we must call on the name of the Lord. Now the second thing is this. What do you need to do in order to call on the name of the Lord? Maybe you've, you've, you've gone with me so far, you say, okay, I can, I can see what you're saying, Henry. I can see that we've got a big problem, which is we're not right with God. I can see that God has provided an answer. I can see that, that for that answer I've got to call on. But what do you mean? What does that mean, call on the name of the Lord? That's not an expression I use very often. So let me just try and break that down for you and bring out for you four components, four things you need to do in order to call on the name of the Lord and in order to be saved. And the first is this, you need to confess your sins to God. Do you know what that means, to confess? It means to own up, you know? Mum comes in and she sees some biscuits have gone. And she says, who's been at the biscuit tin? Was it you? Was it you? Was it you? Somebody needs to confess. Somebody needs to own up. It was me. And that's really what it is when we confess to God. We say, it was me. I've done it. I've done wrong. Now you say, well, God knows everything. He doesn't need to be told. No, that's true. God does know everything. But he's waiting for you and for me to admit it. We saw that, didn't we? Some of us were here a few weeks ago when we, talk, we were looking at Adam. Adam, where are you? Oh, I was naked on a hit. What have you been doing? Did you eat that tree? He's looking for that confession. Cain, where's your brother? Oh, am I my brother's keeper? He's looking for that confession. And so God says to you and to me, you need to confess your sins. You need to own up. You need to admit that you have broken God's laws. There's a verse in the, in the New Testament that says this, very comforting verse. 1 John 1, 8 and 9, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, that is God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confess to God that you've been a rebel. Tell him about your life. Uh, speak to him about the wrong that you've done and own up. That's the first thing. Now, second thing is this. You need to turn from your sin. 
Not just own up. You know, you might say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Well, it's not just that. That's part of it. But it's not just owning up to being a sinner. It's turning from your sin. Leaving it behind. The word the Bible uses for that is the word repent. That word is a word perhaps we don't use very much in English, modern English, but think of it, change your mind. I was wrong. I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. But it's not just change the way you think, it's also change the way you live. You, it's doing a U-turn. You've been going, going down the road and you're heading, supposed to be heading out west, but in fact you're heading east. And the sat-nav says to you, do a U-turn. And you stop and you do a U-turn, you turn around, you go back the other way. And that's what we have to do with our lives, do a U-turn. We stop doing the things we were doing. We start doing the right thing. We stop ignoring God. We start to worship God. We stop being rude to our parents and stop being rude to our siblings, stop being lazy at school. We stop, grown-ups stop lying and cheating and doing all sorts of other things we used to do, being immoral. We stop doing those things and we turn around. That's what we must do. To be saved. But you say, I can't do it. I've tried before. I've nothing, you know, I, I fail. Well, the promise is, God promises, if you come to him and trust in him, he will give you the Holy Spirit and give you the power to change. But you've got to be willing. So repent. Turn from sin. Third, you need to ask God to save you through Jesus Christ. Do you remember a story Jesus told? Some of you will know the story, I'm sure. The story of the Pharisee and tax collector. Do you remember two men went up to the temple to pray? Luke 18. Do you remember? One of them was a very religious man. A very good man, by most people's reckoning. Very noble man. And the other was a tax collector, which in those days meant he was a, a mean, horrible person, greedy person, who bullied people, got money out of people unfairly. And the Pharisee, the religious man, he stood up and he prayed... God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, or unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give tithes of all I get. But the other man, the tax collector, it says he stood off. He stood a far long way away. He beat his breast. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said it was the second man, the man that everybody thought was bad. He's the one who went away right with God. Because he asked for mercy. And that's what we need to do. We need to say, God have mercy on me. Ask God to have mercy upon you. 
And the fourth thing you need to do is this. You need to rely on Jesus and not upon what you can do to make you right with God. That's really what it means to call on the name of the Lord. Someone's name in the Bible is their character. It's what they stand for. So you're relying on who he is. You're banking on God and banking on the Lord Jesus Christ rather than relying upon your own works. This is where so many people go wrong. They think, I'm going to try hard to live a good life. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to the mosque. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give my money to the poor. And if I do these good things, then I'll be right with God. But the Bible is very clear that you don't get to God through your works. It's only through relying on what Jesus did. And so what we need to do is to stop depending upon what we can do. Stop relying upon our own works. Stop relying on our own goodness. And instead, trust in Jesus. Rely on what Jesus did. And that's what it means to call on his name. Say, Lord, you died for my sins. I'm not good enough. I'm not depending on myself. But I'm relying on you. I'm banking on what you did for me when you hung on that cross. Okay, so there are these four things then that you need to do in order to call on the name of the Lord. First, confess your sins to God. Secondly, repent of your sin. Thirdly, ask God to save you. And fourthly, depend upon God, upon Christ, and what he did on the cross to make you acceptable to God. Now then, our third main thing is this. God's promise to those who call in his name. Now, there's a prophet in the Old Testament his name was Joel. And he wrote in the second chapter of the book of his prophecy, in verse 22, that a time was going to come when the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon, the, upon it, everybody. And he says, all God's people will, hear, will receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, it will come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now that promise was quoted by Peter on the day of Pentecost. And Peter said, remember on Pentecost what happened? The Holy Spirit who had been long promised was poured out. And Peter quoted that verse from Joel and he said that's now been fulfilled. Salvation is now available to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And Paul also quotes that prophecy of Joel in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. And he says, 
for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's this promise. If you will call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That is what God has promised. Now, God doesn't lie. He's not, oh, well, as long as you you keep on obeying me or keep on... No, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That's the promise. No ifs, no buts. That it is. In what sense will you be saved? You will be saved, first of all, from the guilt of your sin... You'll no longer be guilty before God. You'll be righteous in his sight. Secondly, you'll be saved from the power of your sin. You'll be given power to live a new life, to obey God. And thirdly, you'll be saved from the, when it comes to the resurrection, from the physical results of sin. You'll have a new body. You'll never, no longer get ill. You no longer suffer. And notice what that verse says. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Old and young. Rich and poor. Educated, uneducated. Whatever nationality or racial background you come from, whatever religious background you come from, It makes no difference. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You might be thinking there, thinking, you might be sitting there thinking, I've been too bad. You don't know the sorts of things I've done. I'm not a religious person. Makes no difference. Call upon his name, and you will be saved. Whoever you are, come. And you will be saved. Okay, so let's draw this to a conclusion then. We've seen why we've seen that God calls us, tells us to call upon his name. He commands us to do so. We must do that. And the reason why we must call on the name of the Lord is because we've got a big problem. We're alienated from God. We're on our way to hell in our natural state. We've seen uh, what what we need to do in order to call upon the name of the Lord. We need to confess our sins to God. We need to repent of our sins. And we need to ask God to save us. And we need to rely on what Jesus has done to make us acceptable to God. And we've seen God's promise that Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, let me ask you, I asked you a question at the beginning. What's your biggest problem? Now, let me ask you another question. Again, I'm not going to ask you to answer this out loud, but think about this question. Every one of you, old and young, children, everybody. My question is this. Have you ever called on the name of the Lord. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked to be saved? 
And have you ever trusted Jesus to save you? Have you ever done that? Well, maybe your answer is, oh, well, I believe in God. Or I try to live a good life. I go to church. I sometimes ask to be forgiven. Well, you may have done all those things, but you can do all those things without calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. Have you done that? Well, maybe you might answer, well, I'm not sure I have really. Not, not in the way that you've described. Well, in that case, if you haven't, do so. And my, I would urge you to do so right now. Don't delay. Come to Jesus and call upon his name. You can, do, you can do this right now, in this room, right now, before you do anything else. And I'd encourage you to do so. And to do those four things which I, I mentioned. And we'll have an opportunity in a moment for people who wish they wish to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll have a quiet moment where we can do those, those four things that I talked about. Now what about, what about uh, there may be some, maybe some of us here, maybe many of us here would say, well, you know what? I, I have asked Jesus to save me. I have called on the name of the Lord. Wonderful, praise the Lord. But what should you do? Well, the answer is continue calling on the name of the Lord. You know, of course, you first ask to be saved once and for all. But you don't just say, okay, well, I've done, my, I've done my prayer now. I've done my one prayer of my life, and that's it. I can forget about God now for the rest of my life. No. That psalmist that we read, Psalm, that Psalm, um, Psalm 116, he says in verse 12, What shall I render to the Lord? For all his benefits to me. What shall I do to say thank you to God for, for what he's done for me? He says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Keep on calling on the name of the Lord. Keep on praying to the Lord. I wonder if there is a backslider here. I wonder if, if there might be somebody here who you asked the Lord to save you years ago. But you've stopped praying. You don't really pray anymore. You're going through your everyday life, but you're not really relating with God. That shouldn't be the case. We should be calling on the name of the Lord all the time. Not to be saved. You don't have to be saved again, but Lord, help me with this issue I've got to face. Help me to do this. Guide me in that matter. Give me strength for this. Constantly maintain a relationship with the Lord. Call on his name if you are already a believer. So whether you're not yet a believer or whether you are a believer, the application is the same. Let us do what we're told to do, to call on the name of the Lord. Well, I said we would have a, 
an opportunity to, to, do that, to do just that right now, and I don't want anybody to feel manipulated or anything like that, but maybe there might be some who do want to, to come to Christ this morning. So what I suggest we do is we bow our heads and, <coughs> and uh, we ha- we, we, for anybody who wants to, they can ask God uh, and call upon his name. So, uh, so let's, let's bow our heads now and, and let, let's, let's pray. So I mentioned that the first thing we have to do in order to call on the name of the Lord is to confess our sins to God. And uh, maybe um, some of us might want to privately, not out loud, but just privately confess to God that we've sinned against him and own up to having been sinners, own up to having been rebels against God. So we'll just have a few moments now where, where people can do that. Those who want to can and confess their sins privately to God. <clears throat>